0: Hello and welcome to Chasing Elephants, a podcast by SwiftScale. Chasing Elephants is an analogy for young businesses trying to sell into large enterprise clients, or so-called elephants. If your startup can catch an elephant, it'll feed you for a long time. However, the task is often fraught with risk and it might just kill you. On this podcast, we invite a range of startup founders and corporate executives to share their stories and insights into this topic. Whether you're an up-and-coming entrepreneur, a seasoned executive, or simply curious about the dynamics between startups and corporates, this podcast will throw light on the all-important subject of Chasing Elephants. On this Execs on the Beach episode, I had the opportunity to speak to Adam Brown, the Digital Transformation Lead at Maersk. Adam is a technology enthusiast, procurement expert, and an all-round friendly guy. In this episode, we speak about Adam's love of gadgets, how I'm turning into my grandma with new technology and the future of procurement. Adam is another guest who has been on both sides of the boardroom table. He was a startup founder in the past and he's an enterprise executive today. He explains really well what he believes can hinder the adoption of innovation and what can speed it up. Adam has got a great sense of humor. He was a lively and really engaging speaker with loads of insight to go with it. I hope you enjoy the episode. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Adam Brown. Adam Brown, thanks so much for taking the time to be on the podcast.
1: Oh, thanks, George. It's lovely, lovely to uh, be here and have a chat.
0: So I'd love to just start off the way I usually start off, which is by asking about your career so far. Um, so how have you ended up as a, a sort of tech lead at Musk?
1: Um well, if you go back far enough into the dim and distant past, um, I did actually start off as a, um, a software engineer. And so I did um, computer systems engineering at university and ended up in in research. And uh, whilst at research, I was a, a programmer coding in Java back in the uh, late 90s. And so the very beginnings of my career were super, super technical and um you know, I was a software engineer, did a, a startup way back at the uh, in the early 2000s. Um, but after that, went much more commercial and ended up in um, transformation and big um, organizational transformational roles in BT uh, before then getting even further into the commercial side, if you like, and uh, working in procurement. So um, I went from this very... Uh, super super techie software engineering then into almost a consultancy role and transformation role then into procurement which is where i really got the interest in in the procurement side um, back in that must have been around about sort of 2010 around there Uh, and after being a category manager for a, a couple of years switched and started running the all of the uh Tech for BT procurement and running the teams that did all, you know, looked after all of the sourcing tools, um, all of the analytics and dashboarding and reporting. And then that evolution through that role to then um, yeah, improve, uh, modernize, make, you know, wonderful and, and brilliant throughout all of that. Um, and then, of course, the, the, the big carve out that we did with BT sourced after. Of all of that I then it was a very very natural progression to take that kind of history and skills and then join Musk in this uh, role of tech lead for the uh, procurement platform that we have here
0: amazing so um, you sound like you've always been a bit of a technologist then you know starting out with that software engineering uh, background like, what is it that drew you to technology have you always been passionate about it?
1: um yeah i've i've always been a, uh, a a bit of a nerd with anything that's got buttons that you can you know push and make noises and do stuff with so even <laughs> when i was uh, young you know it's a, this is before really games consoles or anything else really really sort of started getting big and taking off i was always fascinated just electronic stuff and so that evolution of being very interested in uh games when i was younger and then what you can do with coding and programming there was always that inbuilt you know interest if if you like um i uh, strangely i actually went to originally went to university um say mistakenly to do rocket science literally rocket science and then very rapidly changed (laughs) course when i decided that yeah maybe um
0: what what did you what did you change to brain surgery or uh,
1: no, no. I went, went to computer systems engineering, which was literally half computer science, half electronic engineering. I've, yeah. always, I've always just loved building stuff. You know, be that building um, software or building uh, products or building you know, houses. And it, it's always been something that's been absolutely fascinating to me. So I've always loved that. Yeah, even in my own life, you know, building stuff, renovating things, transforming things. There's always been that inbuilt need to you know, transform and change
0: yeah i mean and it's, it's 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 coming off you as well as you speak there's certainly a real excitement about technology Um so it started off as kind of um sounds like games and, and gaming which is i think you know or gadgets as well you're talking about pressing buttons and um, what what technology excites you now
1: oh and it's it's the advent of getting things um that are now in your hand that require absolutely no knowledge no training almost um yeah we see that now with phone since the iphone popped along back was it 2000 and god gonna test me now seven eight nine somewhere around there when the iphone first came out and that changed everything to say yeah really here is a super super powerful incredibly technical device that requires no training no knowledge it wasn't even like yeah you're probably way too young george but when when i had phones good old nokia 6310s or when i was switching between having a uh A a Nokia or a Motorola or an Ericsson phone and there was a learning curve on just how the menus worked and scrolling through and figuring out and learning, okay, this is the order of the menus, this is where I find stuff. Yeah. Then when the iPhone came out and it's there on a screen and you just tap it with your finger, there's no secret order of clicking buttons. There's no knowledge that you have to have before that. It's instantly consumer grade user interface that doesn't require that level or degree of training and so that's the thing that excites me is to be able to take incredibly advanced powerful technology put it in the hands of people anyone but in my case procurement because I'm a massive procurement geek and say there you go you don't need any training you can just take it and you can use it and it's so super intuitive and I love that and now we're getting onto this uh, wonders of generative AI so we're all kind of like used to the AI of OCO, yeah, optical character recognition or nlp the natural language processing we're kind of used to that but now we're getting into generative ai that is incredibly exciting particularly me now being you know running this uh, tech side of um, this platform at merce I, I do it's um yeah incredible
0: yeah um, i mean that's a, that's a really nice summary of, of kind of yeah where where tech is going and, and where it's come from i mean for me I'll just enjoy playing that clip to my grandmother um, to tell her yes, it is intuitive. <laughs> you should be able to do this. <laughs> Sorry, I, mean, I grew up with iPhones and things, but uh, yeah, I've certainly seen them. Seen people struggle well, with them. Um,
1: well, you say you say your grandma. I always measure this off of um, my parents, and I uh, I remember a, a fantastic story, and this this um, holds true for all technology. Uh, they they got um, an upgrade with their broadband. New router came through, and this must have been I don't know, maybe fifteen years ago. Yeah. And they needed to do something there was instructions that came with it and there was a it's about a six steps of instructions literally numbered step one step two step three super super easy they lived a couple of hours away phoned me up said what do i do i said follow the instructions do them word for word because i had done it myself and i knew you had to go and do one two three and follow it absolutely to the letter i drilled it into them follow these instructions absolutely drilled in and there were six steps really easy it's like plug it in turn it on that kind of level yeah so sure enough a couple of hours later i got a phone call and uh, yeah my uh, my my mom absolutely beside herself my my dad incredibly stressed out they just could not get it to work at all so they were so stressed out so worried i hopped in the car drove 2 hours got to their house got out said right give me the stuff now tell me where did you where did you get to where did it go wrong so i said right step 1 did you do this Oh, no, we didn't think we had to. <laughs> and I'd literally drilled it in the following steps. Now they have iPhones, and it's not a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I never once told them how to use it. And I, I, in fact, my mom's got iPhones, iPads, yeah, everything, loves them. So um, that's the level that we need to get to and aim at. And particularly, you know, I, I of course, I look at everything from that procurement standpoint and the... Um, the evolution over the years of the technology that we've had is pretty complicated stuff. And there's so many steps to take and so much governance involved in, in, in each company that there is potentially so much training that you need to do between all of these disparate systems, be that a digital contracting platform or a sourcing system or a spend analytics tool. They could all be from different suppliers, they could all be vastly you know, different in user interfaces and to use. And we can't be constantly training people for weeks and months at a time on how to use these things. They need to be intuitive. Get it, click it, use it. I keep saying, you know, it's it's that consumer-grade user interface. Hold the phone up. That's what we want. And and that's the thing that excites me. And I think AI can only help us with that. It really can.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to to think about how technology as you say is getting it's advancing quicker than it ever has before what technologies do you think have the most potential for change in the industries that concern you so you know procurement and and logistics
1: okay well i'll focus on the uh, the procurement bit more than the logistics part because um i, I think procurement is done by every company and it, you know there's um, although there are um, differences of course between you know my history of being you know logistics now and telecoms previously there's huge huge parallels which i never thought of before which really do exist and so um i think the interaction so number one interaction with suppliers um is going to be very 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 different we are constraints in procurement by the number of people that we have and therefore the number of interactions that you can do with suppliers and the rate at which you can then negotiate so if you've got say you know a thousand suppliers in a particular category and it may be that you need those because of geographic spread great example is is actually logistics and you know trucking companies to move containers on trucks we see them every day on the uh, on the motorways um talking to these guys and getting quotes from these guys. And um, that's literally thousands and thousands of suppliers. And so we instantly have a constraint about how do we constantly interact with our suppliers doing small size negotiations when the suppliers aren't going to have a big automated system to reply on. So, yeah, we use and we've invested in a startup pactum uh, to do exactly that. It's um, AI driven chat negotiations with the suppliers, fully automated, doesn't need a human on our side of it, but it provides a really super user-friendly interface to so the companies on the other end is by and large, they're pretty small. And so having a the ability to do a, a chat interface and that chat interaction, it's language, it's English. They don't need to get trained up on a new portal or have access to a portal to be able to respond to a, um, a a sourcing event from us so that kind of thing is super super interesting and as we take that even further now how do you start interacting then via that ubiquitous device that everybody has and chat on there and having apps that's yeah a really really kind of fascinating thing so the nlp chat ai driven negotiations super super interesting um for me uh, Particularly on the tech side, we start seeing the advent of generative AI for generating code to do stuff. So instead of us having to design and write code, instead of us actually being software developers, having to develop software to do something, we now can elevate to being true engineers. And we engineer the idea. We have the, the time to think about it and just ask the AI and say, Write me a code to do this. And that's going to evolve, isn't it? And start, you so you start being able to say to a generative AI, create me a product that will do this. That starts getting incredibly exciting. You start getting very, very rapid ability to create and deploy and test and trial out ways to interact and negotiate and all this. Obviously, contracts is, a, is an easy one to say, you know, instead of having to go through and select clauses, or you could say, yeah, create me a contract with these kind of clauses for this kind of industry that does whatever um, i think it's super super exciting and it comes back again to that no need for training super easy user interface because everybody you know can communicate and say this is what i would like where it becomes difficult is learning to use a system to translate what you have in here for what you want into how a system expects you to ask for it on its terms things are moving from system-driven terms to our expected terms of interaction.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it sounds to me like you're a big fan of complex technology, but for you, it's really important that there's this kind of simple way of using it. So, you know, you sort of talk about being able to look at it on your phone, have a simple chat function. You know, the technology behind this is really very complex indeed, but the actual way it's used has to be simple, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. So you can take um, so, so many different areas. If we talk about one of the hot topics in procurement at the moment is is ESG and it's always risk. So asking simple questions, which are non-trivial to solve for manually and are incredibly complex to solve for digitally. Being able to do that in a really simple, easy way is is fascinating so um you know you, you could ask um uh, you know simple questions so if if i if i had a supplier that was called um you know george incorporated and george incorporated was one of my critical suppliers i would be wanting to uh, have diligent knowledge on how stable you were and that would include let's say your supply chain and macroeconomic factors that were affecting you as a supplier and that's a non-trivial thing to answer so how do I find out who your suppliers are and who their suppliers are in the critical parts I'm not particularly worried that Starbucks might be one of your suppliers for your morning coffee what I'm more interested in is what are the critical (laughs) suppliers that you use to provide me with whatever it is I'm buying from you so how can I do that automatically and quickly and rapidly because doing that manually is is non-trivial you have to phone up and you have to join me on calls with your suppliers to say yes really you can talk to him and it's sorry it's so um in you know i discovered a company um from cambridge university in my previous um role which um versed ai which had cre- and those guys had created um a technology to do exactly that automatically and that was Using again AI just released onto the internet. Give it a company name and go through on the internet and figure out who all of its um, suppliers are and with various parameters. And that was incredibly exciting. Hadn't seen anything like that before. Being able to do things like that, scale and easily, and ask it to uh, give you responses. And yeah, if you can ask something to do something, then you can. That's a trigger. Triggers can always be automated at scale. So just me saying, George, who are your suppliers? That's the one example to scale that up is just repeat and use that as an automated trigger and feedback. Um, Macroeconomic views on things as well are always uh, affecting. So it's not just a case of companies who sit there independently and it might be all, you know, might have fantastically solid finances and a really good, clean, motivated um, workforce and have absolutely no problems at all with anything down in their supply chain. But notwithstanding macroeconomic impacts that are going on that might um, happen through, you know, political turmoil that we've seen a lot of recently, um, you know, be that the huge, big, awful stuff that we see with Ukraine or other, um, yeah, other big things like we had a few years ago with uh, Brexit. To an extent, you can see these things coming months in advance. They don't just happen the next day. In you didn't know about it, there's early indicators. And so getting an idea of what those early indicators are on macroeconomic uh, impacts to the supply base, I think is critical. And the more that we understand that and the more we can build a forward-looking view in risk, I think, again, that's a a critical thing that can only be driven by technology at scale.
0: Yeah, that's a really nice explanation. So there's that two-pronged approach of knowing about the company individually, but then also knowing about the macroeconomic situation that surrounds it. I, I find that, that very useful. It's quite clear when you give these answers as well that that you you are interested in startups. I mean, you've mentioned already Pactum. I know a company that we've worked with um, in our recent procurement event. You know, we, we had a few companies, Supply Hive, Procure AI, just to name a couple. Um, and you mentioned Verst as well. I mean, do, do you think that that sort of openness to startups and to working with startups comes from the fact that you had a startup yourself in the past?
1: Um, I think it certainly opens your eyes massively to what is possible and where the innovation comes from. And that's kind of the critical thing for me is where does the innovation come from? Um, If innovation was solely the uh, in the realm of the big corporates then we would never have any small startups we would never talk about these unicorn things that it, that exist um, and so evolution of technology the the, the next great ideas this uh, innovation it comes from everywhere and what i tend to see is that with the the really big organisations, the the innovation tends to be more of an evolution of, of an existing product. And, and why is that? Is because they have a existing customer base and they have a successful product. And so the existing customer base has deployed a big, heavyweight solution, and they've got it working. And they've got, more importantly, not the product working, which is an easy thing, but they've got the process and the people in the organization working in the context and the construct of that product. That's a big thing to do. When you're talking about uh, these big organizations that we work in where you've got, you know, uh, hundreds or thousands of people just on the procurement side working with something, that's a huge investment and effort. So the last thing you want is a supplier to say, well, you've been using that, but look, we've got this new thing that's all incredible and fantastic and completely and utterly different to what you're currently doing and you're going to have to change everything you're currently doing to get the benefit of this thing so on there's always going to be more of an evolutionary approach to the innovation in big products it's not ever going to be a wholesale get rid of that here's the new thing for those very sensible reasons so innovation you have to look beyond just the big companies and look to the startups as well. We, we can call out a couple of really super easy ones. Salonis went from, what, nothing to being worth a valued at over a billion, I think it was in about a five-year period very recently. That was great. Um, even more recently, Zip HQ, who went from, you know, nothing to a valuation over a billion in what felt like about 18 months, which is absolutely staggering. So you've got that level of innovation, and it fascinates me. It's that grassroots innovation. I think we, as big corporates, and I'm super passionate about this, as big corporates have a, a duty to encourage exactly that, to encourage this, this way of thinking, the, uh, this work, creating new stuff, new ways of doing things. Musk um, is absolutely brilliant to this. We've got Musk Growth, which is the investment arm that invests in companies we invested in paxum i mean how cool is that so i i think not just from the investment side but from big corporates we should be looking and saying how can we talk to the startups how can we learn from them how can we use them how can we support them even if we're not going to be buying the product even if the product is not quite right because yeah big corporates risk averse by and large and so you've got to ask the question, are you going to deploy at scale something from a tiny startup that's been around for six months? Are you going to deploy that in a business critical transactional, say, application? Maybe, maybe not, but you're mm-hmm. certainly not going to be 100% reliant on it. Yeah, You're always going to mitigate to some extent. So I think there's always a fantastic reason to be supporting and working closely with them. And um, and that's why you see the advent of these digital garages. So we set up the digital garage in my my previous company. And you see there's now several other big companies, and shout out to J&J, who would following that exact same method. And I think that's absolutely brilliant.
0: So... There's definitely a heck of a lot of value to working with these uh, these startups, but you mentioned there one of the big challenges of you know, I'll, I'll drop the title of the show of chasing elephants uh, <laughs> is that these these enter- these elephants these enterprises are risk averse. One of the questions I like to ask and is kind of useful for startup founders to to hear the answer to I think is what can a startup do to allay that caution to to make the enterprise feel a bit more comfortable and feel that they're not taking as big a risk?
1: You have to be realistic. So if you created a startup and your product is um, entirely aimed at something that a corporate would um, need to rely upon in a business critical application, be that business Uh, Yeah, truly business critical, or be it something that needs to be auditable. um, I would urge a level of realism and caution that perhaps a big multinational is not going to be the place that's going to deploy that first. um, Because it takes so long to deploy and embed to then rely upon something with a company which is maybe a handful of people two, three people with very small investment. it could disappear, something could go wrong. So, as a big corporate, are you going to rely on something that's business critical? So, I'd urge caution with that, number one. Um, number two, a massive dose of reality of how long it takes to contract with a big organization just to get through that whole onboarding, that whole contracting um, <clears throat> setup takes longer than you would ever think because big corporates have to go to a good degree of diligence and by and large it's one size fits all and by by and large it's been designed entirely for the big suppliers so you know once you say right here's here's a contract to read through and uh, you have um you know, all kinds of potential issues then as a supplier with um, a big corporate contract that may be saying, we want you to have insurance up to a certain value. And the cost to you of actually getting that insurance might be more than, you know, your company's worth. Yeah. There's all kinds of things to watch out for. So caution, realism takes a lot longer than you would ever think. Lastly, um, you need a sponsor. You need somebody who believes in you, internally believes in you and is honest with you about, your chances and isn't going to string you along. The one thing that you cannot do as a startup is waste time. So don't waste your time with the big corporates if it's not going anyway. Don't sit there thinking, "Yeah, I've got a sale with you know, I don't know, by and large, <laughs> you know, like world's biggest company." If you remember Wally.
0: Um, yeah, yeah,
1: <laughs> so, great film. So don't don't think that you know, I've, I've got a contract with them they've said that we're going to contract with you yeah of realism is that really going to happen when's it going to happen don't sit back and say we've got this thing coming because it might come really might come but it might take a year to get there yeah so it, it's just be cautious get that internal sponsor somebody who believes in you somebody who's at the right level and be blunt ask the right questions have you got the budget do you own a budget has the budget been signed off um what steps would we have to step through with your internal governance to get deployed not just um governance in contracting terms but co- governance in technology deployment terms as well because it, it it could realistically be is a great example most things are um you know uh, cloud hosted on um you know AWS or Azure or GCP um but some companies might mandate that you have to host that in their country. So AWS, it might mandate you have to host it on AWS in the UK or Western Europe. If you can't do that, could be an issue.
0: Yeah, that's that, we've certainly had that working with some of our corporate partners is small storage issues, maybe saying we only want to store data in the UK, that kind of thing. But everything you said there rings completely true with my experience, Um Certainly the idea of having a sponsor, that, that that certainly rings true with me because SwiftScale is all about, you know, introducing startups to enterprises who are actually looking for the solution that they're offering. And I certainly find it's a lot easier to work with these people when you know that you're linking them up with a brief that actually fits them yeah startups don't have much time so it's not great to to go to them with something that that won't be a good fit um
1: yeah, thank goodness i'm glad glad to hear that you know uh, i've passed the test I, I didn't didn't realize i was being marked <laughs> Is <Adam> correct?
0: <laughs> i'm marking myself just as much as you trust me <laughs> um so I'd just like to to wrap up then, because I, I think we're kind of coming to, to the end of the, the time. I really appreciate you setting out this time for us. Um by just asking something a bit more personal. We always ask people uh this question. Um with the benefit of hindsight and, and knowing what you know now, is there anything that you would have done differently in your career? Or or to frame it another way, what advice would you give to your younger self?
1: Oh God, that's a that's a good one. That's a good one. Um i to my younger self i would be and you know i, I can say this uh, very easily because it's something that i um, i didn't do when i was younger which i've learned to do and now with everybody who works for me i do exactly the same thing so do everything with clear intent think about why you're doing things don't waste time just bouncing from one thing to the other without actually consciously thinking about what's going on so not you don't necessarily have to have a conscious plan and say right i'm going to do this and then this but consciously think about what's going on what's going around you and think what's that narrative what's that story that's going along through all of this and be conscious of the moment understand what it is that you're doing um back in my you know early career to an extent i'd be honest i was a victim of circumstance very very happy victim and some brilliant and amazing circumstance Um, and it was great but when I look back I wish I had paid more attention to what was going on at the time because it was incredible and it was wonderful Um, so I would say that be you know enjoy but be focused and think about what's really going on and understanding it meet more people in the industry you know go to whatever industry you're in go to events be be out there talk to people there is uh, so many more groups available be them you know industry groups on linkedin you know get to know you know people like you guys like SwiftScale, if you're interested in you know the startup uh, areas you know just reach out and talk to people everybody's always super happy to talk i know you are alex at swift scale is i know all of the people that i've ever worked with in any of these startups so super happy to talk so talk to people expand your network just get to know people there's nothing that people like more than to have a have a chat and share their experiences it's by and large everybody just wants to say well this is you know what i did um a good bit of advice that i always remembered from somebody i can't remember who could have been somebody real it could have been written down i could have read it it could have been in a film i honestly can't remember but i took this as being some good advice anyway
0: it came to you in a dream yeah
1: it, it, it could have done oh, look george it could have been you honestly i have no idea but anyway
0: <laughs> i'll edit it so it sounds like that
1: <laughs> i i found this really 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 interesting um because yeah, you know, i feel like i've been super 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 lucky but this bit of advice take that whether it's real or not um said luck is purely when preparation meets opportunity opportunity i cannot control i really can't but I can control the preparation so going back to that previous advice of going out and meeting people and yeah you know, everything else that that yeah you know, the more people you see the more things you do the more opportunity will will come along because it's just a numbers game But be prepared. If there's something that you're interested in, then do some learning. You've got, you know, fantastic ways to learn. Uh, Be that off of people in real life or attending events or reading books, Um, you know, LinkedIn learning. Uh, There's so many, so many resources. So be prepared, you know, and then when an opportunity comes, you're going to be ready. And when the two kind of have that happy meeting, then perhaps that's what's called luck
0: yeah i really like that that yeah. advice it's always my favorite question to ask on uh, on this program um especially because I, I am quite young so i'm young enough to hopefully take that advice and, and put it in stop, stop
1: rubbing this age thing in it's not sorry so i'm not, I'm not... <laughs> just because i said start up in the early 2000s and yeah so...
0: yeah well, i don't remember that um
1: <laughs> wasn't born then
0: <laughs> no I, I promise i was i was um all right i could see that we're just we're just running out of time so i just want to thank you again for your time um some fantastic advice and some really good insights into into the industry i think anyone who's either a startup founder or an executive anyone who's interested in this space will have found this very informative so uh, thank you for for carving out the time in your calendar
1: cool no worries George. it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me
0: thank you for listening to chasing elephants and thank you again to my guest adam brown this was a really fun one to record i think you can agree alongside knowing his stuff that adam's just very personable and easy to chat to I also love that advice at the end. I'll certainly be implementing it. And I'll stress this point for Adam. Whatever your age, it's never too late to take on board that kind of wisdom. I hope you enjoyed the episode. This was a podcast by SwiftScale. We've been in the business of connecting scaling companies to large enterprises for over seven years. We understand the difficulties of chasing elephants. So if you're a founder looking to scale your business, or you're an executive who wants to keep your finger on the pulse of innovation, feel free to reach out to us through our website, swiftscale.co or message us on LinkedIn. If you found this podcast informative, please leave a positive rating and review and subscribe so you can keep up to date with our startup and executive interviews. Thanks again for listening, and I hope to catch you on the next one.